0: From WDBM
1: East Lansing, this is City Pulse on the air.
0: Joining you now, your editor-in-chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello again, this is Burl Schwartz talking. Later, local artists are coming to YouTube, and our cult, Honningly, tells you about it. But first, it's time for our weekly conversation with MSU political scientist Matt Grossman on the 2020 presidential campaign. Matt, what developments did the last week bring in the 2020 presidential campaign?
2: Well, we really saw uh, Joe Biden uh, responding to the agenda that uh, Donald Trump had uh, laid out at the Republican convention. That is, uh, Biden was asked to condemn the rioters and he condemned the rioters. Uh, He was... uh, uh, attacked uh, for uh, being too too soft on uh, protesters, and he's now running ads, uh, basically uh, bemoaning or diminishing uh, people who act out in looting, um, uh, still blaming Trump uh, for egging on that. Um, but I, I do think we saw a shift in the agenda uh, of the campaign. It doesn't appear to have paid off for Trump so so far. That is, people also rate Biden high. On controlling uh, social unrest um, and dealing with racial issues. So hasn't helped Trump, but he has shifted the agenda uh, to uh, what he wanted.
0: Yeah, uh, the New York Times is, uh, is saying, uh, Nate Cohn, who does the upshot, is saying that uh, Trump picked up a mere seven-tenths of a point in uh, polls uh, before the Uh, from before the Democratic Convention. Uh, If law and order doesn't work for Trump, what's left?
2: Well, uh, there may be some signs of improvement in uh, the economy. Uh, There may be signs of improvement in the the virus. Uh, So those would be the two, I guess, uh, signs of hope for uh, the Trump campaign, um, that is, uh, shifting the agenda to this hasn't worked, but perhaps there could be positive signs on, on the things that are uh, potentially dragging him down. Uh, but yeah, we've seen an incredibly stable campaign. Joe Biden has been ahead the whole time. Um, he has uh, been at a disadvantage in the Electoral College uh, relative to the popular vote, but he's winning the popular vote by uh, a sizable enough margin uh, to to win the election.
0: So uh one of the things we see is uh Biden holding on to a national lead of maybe 7 to 9% but then we see states uh, like Pennsylvania uh coming down maybe to a 3% lead for Biden. And I want to talk to you about polls. So uh first of all what should people pay attention to? Do the national numbers even matter uh, anymore uh, when we're facing an electoral college victor from 2016 who defied all the polls?
2: Well, obviously, you'd uh, rather have a whole bunch of of state polls that were high quality um, than national polls, but national polls uh, tend to be more frequent um, and often uh, mix uh, formats. So some of them are online and regular. Some of them are Uh, by uh, traditional phone polls, and so you really get a better sense of the national picture uh, than the state-by-state picture, so that's kind of the the trade-off, but it is important to think back in 2016 that we really weren't sure at this point whether uh, Trump would have an electoral college advantage. There were some signs of it, uh, but it wasn't overwhelming, Um, whereas at this point in, in the cycle, it looks pretty clear that he's doing uh, at least two to three points better in the pivotal state than he does in the national uh, electorate. So um, that also means that we could be surprised this time. Um, I take the point, but I, I don't think the polls were were that off. That is... Um, the average of the polls in 2016 had Hillary Clinton winning the national vote by about two to three points, and that's what she, she did. Um, they were off in the upper Midwest states, um, but in total, the state polls were not off by much more than they usually are. Um, so the it's more that the there was a systematic error, and the systematic error was in the upper Midwest, um, and that favored Trump. So we always have to look out for there being a different kind of systematic error this time.
0: Uh- Trump uh has uh, encountered some uh concern I guess because of a new book by Mike, Mike Michael Schmidt of the New York Times uh, that uh, pointed out he uh, they told the uh, vice president Pence to stand by when Trump went on this Unexpected visit to Walter Reed Hospital, which of course uh, he, uh, was played up as nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, we're looking at a man who, uh, I was stunned when I looked at uh, images of him from 2016. He is a big man and he can carry some weight. Uh, I see a man who doesn't look healthy to me and I wonder, uh, And versus a man who is, a seems to be a fairly healthy uh, 77 going on Uh, 78-year-old. Does health really play into this at all?
2: Well, perhaps, but not when it's such a wash. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. they really tried to uh, pin Biden as being uh, in cognitive decline or too old, and uh, that just hasn't stuck at all. And one reason it hasn't stuck is that uh, Biden has appeared, you know, somewhat reasonable when he's spoken, and uh, Trump has also raised some people's concerns. So I, I don't think that. You know, I think if we did have a race between a much older candidate and a much younger candidate, then that that might be an issue um, in the in the race. But uh, given the two of them, uh, it just doesn't seem to be breaking through. But it is an interesting example of the sort of lack of ability to come up with an argument against Biden. Uh, The Trump campaign started with that. They moved now to this uh, chaos in the streets kind of campaign, but uh, they're, they're still trying to say he's associated with the radical left or he's a puppet of the radical left, but none of that is sticking very well. And it is kind of amazing that the major Democratic candidate for the last two years in the polls um, that, that is a surprise to no one um, really does not seem to have a clear message um, uh, going against him
0: that. Uh, We're talking to uh, Matt Grossman, a political scientist from Michigan State University, as we do every week about the 2020 presidential uh, campaign. You're listening to City Pulse here on 89FM, The Impact. Uh, Matt, uh, the the, uh, the, uh, Black Lives Matter movement seems to have become less popular in recent months. Uh, Does that help anybody, hurt anybody, make any difference?
2: Well, we had a lot of uh, talk in June about um, you know, potentially violent protesters hurting the Democrats as they did in 1968, as some people um, mattered in the in the L.A. riots in the 1992 campaign. Um, but uh, it didn't play out that way. Instead, Black Lives Matter got much more popular um, and uh, was not a detriment uh, at all to, to the Democrats. I think it's coming back down a bit since then. Um, but not in a, in a big enough way that it 's going to make a, a difference in the in the presidential um, election I, I do think it matters for for the long term that that we have a campaign that 's sort of uh, almost policy free that is um, it 's a campaign of restoring decency against a campaign of uh, ending the chaos in the streets, um, that doesn't really mean much for the second term agenda for President Trump or for the agenda for Joe Biden. I, I think it's unlikely that this election is going to be interpreted um, as a mandate for really much uh, that, that Biden might have on, on the agenda. So unlike uh, Obama, where you had uh, clearly health care was a major part of the campaign. Some pivotal senators saw it as a mandate for uh, major health reform. It seems unlikely that the election will be interpreted that way, even if Biden wins big.
0: Finally, uh, the Democrats are uh, expressing concern and others uh, about uh, what will, uh, about the chaos ensuing uh, because mail in votes will not mess, will not have all been counted by the end of election day uh does this concern you
2: well it there's uh, obviously an overall uh, concern that that president trump has um basically shown that he's he's willing to contest anything and no matter how flimsy the evidence um and so we can expect him to continue to do that. This week, he actually told people to try and vote in person as well as by mail, which is illegal. So there are a lot of reasons to be uh, concerned uh, about that. Um, I don't think the, the media will have as much trouble as, as people are now thinking in terms of, of um, showing uh, elections when, when states are too close to call, if they're still too close to call. Um, on the night of the election. I think that's what the the media will mainly say. Um, So I I don't think we're we're unprepared for that, but uh, certainly when you're dealing with President Trump, um, he is very liable to say he won the election the morning after, even if it actually isn't clear yet, and we're still waiting for votes from a lot of states.
0: Well, we will know in less than two months. Uh, Matt Grossman, enjoy the rest of your Labor Day weekend. Thanks for being on City Pulse. Thank you. This is City Pulse on 89FM The Impact. I'm Burl Schwartz. Art in the Wild is an art organization that raises money for Lansing's parks, and it is launching an interview series with local artists on YouTube, starting with multimedia artisan Alexandria Summit. City Pulse reporter Cole Tunningly talked to Art in the Wild co founder Melody Angel about the series and what else is in store for her organization.
2: Art in the Wild is a foundation working to create art in Rainy Park and Red Cedar Park. They want to use at least $10 million of privately funded money to adorn the parks with art that inspires people to think about the environment and the importance of clean water. This year, despite the difficulties caused by the coronavirus, it is working on a mural project and an interview series that helps promote local artists. All right.
1: Yeah, I'm, you know, the main thing that we're, uh, you know, we're, we're still... In discovery of whether we're going to be able to get uh, one more mural up this year and then the main thing that we're working on at the moment is our artist interview series and you know looking to uh, expand on that and um, uh, get that uh, you know out but I had sort of gotten you know sidetracked with some other endeavors that I've had going and so haven't gotten a bunch more published but I've I've been collecting artist uh, material and uh, going to be putting that, you know several of those together probably in the next month.
2: Tell me about uh, who you've had so far in the artist interview series. So the one that we had completed was
1: uh, Alexandra Summit and she's up on uh, Art in the Wild YouTube channel that we uh, created and um, she is she's like a she does everything from like uh, esoteric healing, spiritual shaman kind of work to um, she does artwork that includes everything from glass sculptures, fused glass, she does uh, oil, big, you know, pretty involved oil painting. She's done um, some, she, back right before um, they landed on the moon 50 years ago, she did some very large, like, I don't know, 16 by 24 foot paintings on, uh, using, um, paint that lit up in black light, black light sensitive paint. And, um, and then this past year, 50 years later, she was able to have those displayed in the planetarium where they could be in a black light theater, Mm -hmm. um, and had some events and stuff around that, which was really cool to have that continuity and she had done one of her pieces she had done before they right before they went to the moon and it was um looking at what she imagined them to see from the moon looking back uh and she also did one on wormholes before they had really been defined uh and you know conventional um science or whatever Mm -hmm. um so that was just pretty visionary. It's stuff that she incorporated in those paintings 50 years ago, and uh, and now has them. Uh, at least one of them is still up in the planetarium uh, at MSU. Um, she's done uh, things on women. Uh, she's done a lot with uh, sort of women's studies, um, and right before the election uh, in 2016, she had done a series of paintings on glass that represented women who had broken the glass ceiling in some way, and um, and she had a presentation at the Robin Theater around that. Um, and so she did a painting of all the different women who have run for president at any time. Like there's like eight or ten of them, something like that, that weren't necessarily on a you know full bore main ticket, but that had in some way run for president of the United States and. in in our history and um, and then she made a poster out of that that she still has for sale Um, so she just does a very eclectic um, type you know different types of art and a lot puts a lot of thought and sort of um, meaning into her art not just sort of something abstract she really comes at art like the one she's she's in the process of selling right now is a uh, piece that was to really look at the dichotomy of uh, the conflicts that are in the world and how we sort of do a lot of us and them kind of conversations that we don't really come together and have valid you know, conversations seeing each other well. So she did a painting that represented uh, the Middle Eastern conflict and she had uh, two people on either side, one that represented the uh, Palestinian you know, group and one that represented Israel, and then in the middle was a sort of goddess figure giving birth to a baby that uh, had the face of the, the Dalai Lama that had been ousted by China. So, just a lot of sort of philosophical stuff she put into one artwork piece um, and with a, a desire to sort of move the, the cosmic and spiritual conversation forward.
2: So, um, are you the one conducting the interviews?
1: So, so, yeah, so I, um, have what, what I've in general been doing is having the artists record, I give them some questions, I have them record answers to some basic questions like what got them into art, you know, what does clean water mean to them, what's their current project, what are some of the things they'd like to sell, um, and then, um, they, I have them get that recording to me they can use like QuickTime or what you know some way to record it even their cell phone and then I record and you know so part of wanting to not increase everybody's exposure I've found a way to sort of do a, a um, virtual interview so I have them record answers to those questions and then I record questions to the specific answers that they actually give and then I put it together Uh, and produce it into a short video that uh, comes across as an interview, but is actually not with us in the same physical space. And so I have about four or five more. Uh, I have one with Jerry Smith, who's a local uh, black artist. I have one uh, with an artist from Detroit that uh, will probably be one of our muralists in the future. Um, I know um, Melissa... I think is her name. Uh, She has a a studio in Bath. Uh, She's in the process of making one for me. Uh, Jennifer Gray, she's a local artist, uh, has given me her material already. Um, And I'm looking to include funds that, you know, some of those have pretty good recognition. And I'm also looking to include, even teenagers or people who haven't, you know, classically been seen publicly or a minority or something like that. I did one with um, uh, Asha Varma. She's about 75 year old um, from India uh, who lives in East Lansing, or both of us now. And she um, has a a model that we put up last summer. So I have the material to do to finish up an interview with her as well. So that's what we're currently sinking our teeth into is trying to get. Uh, You know, while we're not able, maybe to move forward as quickly as we wanted to with some of the public art, looking at how we can continue to build relationships with artists to get them out front. Um, You know, once I get several of those interviews together, and if and you know can get on a regular routine of creating some, I'd really like to get some get those published in a uh, like maybe in city pulses online. Once a week, or something of that nature, or something that is more public where it comes out on a regular basis in a venue that is, uh, you know, maybe more than just our YouTube page. Okay. And tell me about the murals. So, um, we have three murals that are up in Frandor, um, uh, next to, uh, uh, between Red Monster and Durant Fabric in that parking lot there. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, and next, to each uh, mural is a. Uh, so we, we we take a photograph, and then we blow it up and print it on a PVC that gets heat shrunk to a wall of some kind. It can be a brick wall, or a, you know, in that case, it's a uh, cement retaining wall. Um, and then um, next to each of the murals, we put environmental information about how you can change your behavior to keep the river clean. So the point of all of Art in the Wild is art is to raise awareness about clean water and how people can change their behavior to increase that resource. Um, and so we use art to bring people into that conversation, not necessarily water-based art, but just great local art. And then we have some information next to it that can get people thinking about what can they do to um, alter their behavior. So, long term, our goal is to put like $10 million worth of art in the Randy Park and the Red Cedar Park uh, with environmental messaging next to it. And that area is being built by the Ann County Drain Commissioner right now. We've, uh, you know, with COVID, a lot of the, even the places where we were applying for grants, some of the boards weren't even meeting because of COVID and stuff like that. So we sort of had to step back a little bit. And some of the private individuals were saying, look, I'm worried about losing my business. I can't really look at, you know, doing some discretionary art funding. So um, uh, we've still been in conversation with people. I still... And said, "Okay, I need to actually ask people. Because you know, some people, their income is not affected by Corona, um, and so we've uh, looked at how can we do fundraising that is uh, still staying focused on our goal, uh, giving people the opportunity to be part of the project, but not put an unnecessary burden on people who are already struggling with the effects of the coronavirus."
0: For City Pulse, this has been Cole Thanks, Cole. And by the way, Dr. Melody Angel is the wife of our Ingham County Drain Commissioner, Pat Linderman. Well, on this Labor Day Sunday, it's time to move on. Thanks, Skylar Ashley, for producing the show. For City Pulse, I'm Burl Schwartz. Thanks for listening.